Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from Nent Group's Philippa Wallerstam, NRK's Anna Helsinger, YLE's Villa Villain, Reinvent Studios' Ricker Ennis and Nordisk Film and TV Fonds' Lizalette Forsman as C21's Content Nordics On Demand gets underway. C21's Content Nordics On Demand got underway last week online, a virtual event exploring the TV production, broadcast, streaming and distribution sectors across the region through a series of one-on-one interviews, panel discussions and programme premieres. The Nordics have often been ahead of the curve when it comes to new industry trends, audience behaviour and business models responsive to both. This on-demand box set takes a detailed look at what the Nordics has to offer the international market from lessons learned, content with global appeal, co-production partnerships and key creative talent, examining the current landscape and the direction in which it's headed. In the first of the sessions, Nent Group Executive Vice President and Chief Content Officer Philippa Wallerstam, NRK Head of TV Arna Helsinger, YLE Director of Creative Content and Media Villa Villain, Reinvent Studios founder and chief executive Ricker Ennis and Nordisk Film and TV Fond chief executive Lizalot Forsman spoke to Ed Waller about the evolution of broadcaster and streamer strategies and their impact on the global stage. I can't really start a session like this without mentioning the events of the past 12 months. So um, I'm going to begin by asking the panel for their initial thoughts on how the Nordic industry has changed over the past year, in particular, how content consumption has changed. And I'm going to start with Lizalot, if I may because I think the NFTV fund recently published a report on uh, COVID's impact on the Nordic TV market. Maybe you could share some of the findings of that report with us, Lieselot. Yeah, actually, we we had two reports, and one was uh, uh, from a production company point of view. So we studied 155 productions during COVID, and and it uh, uh, that is more than half. Approxim- approximately 300 productions are on in the Nordics per year, and then I'm talking about film series and documentaries. And uh, we, we could see, because what we really wanted to do was to see the impact, and we could see that drama series have especially suffered from the pandemic. And the bigger the series, the more the problem. And and what is worrying, of course, is that we also studied mitigations. And drama series are are the products that had the most difficulties of of, uh, gaining high impact from the mitigation measures. So all all Nordic governments have come in and really tried to help the audiovisual industry because it's an important industry as an industry and as a a culture provider to the people. Uh, but for drama series, there's been a great impact. And, and the, our main researcher, his, his thesis in the end uh, included the word resilience, because despite the very difficulties, all except, I think, three were produced. So only two percentage were, were postponed or cancelled. It's been a very, very tough year for the Nordic branch. Uh, and we are that's why we are in constant dialogue also with the Nordic decision makers. So, so we actually this year is, is our year of audiovisual collaboration, which means that we build bridges between decision makers and the industry uh, to have a switch, switcher, faster dialogue during crisis like this and every day. Fantastic. Um, we'll come on, come on to some of those points in, in due course. Uh, Philippa, I, I'd like to ask you next because obviously Nent is one of the biggest producer of Nordic content I think 30 series last year 40 lined up for this year tell us about how, how was the last year for, for you no I think that the last year has of course been challenging for us like for everyone else and it's been 
a year of constant change and adaptation, I, I think it's fair to say. But for us, it's sort of twofold, because as you say, we produce a lot of content. And that what you're referring to now, yes, we are, we are launching 40 uh, Viaplay Originals this year, scripted documentaries. And of course, we also produce a lot of unscripted content. So it's a lot of Nordic content being produced. And of course, we had many um, sort of changes uh, and um, slight shifts in the productions last year. I'm extremely impressed uh, in general by the productions in the Nordics, how fantastically strong the production companies were, because we still managed to produce uh, despite the really tough times. And like to Lisa Lott's point, we didn't cancel any of our productions. Uh, some of them have been sort of shifted around and had to start a little bit later. Uh, but that I am extremely grateful for. Uh, and we came out sort of strong. We were a little bit delayed, especially in Denmark and Norway, uh, where we suffered a little bit more on the production. Now we're up to speed again. For us, of course, the positive side of this is the increased consumption. So all of our platforms uh, really, really grew last year. And if we take Viaplay, which is our main focus, uh, we actually increased the consumers by 25% this quarter uh, versus you know previous same first quarter of last year so from that perspective it's sort of we really experienced a massive growth i play and um, i think it's fair to say in the nordics that what the the last year did to the general consumption is what is that Streaming actually became much more mainstream. So mm. it's sort of it's, it was challenging, but we came out stronger. And now I'm I'm very grateful where where we are. Great to hear that. I uh, I'm going to bring in uh, the public broadcasters now. Avila, um, what was it like for 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 you? I mean, was there a, a major move towards linear, or because of the demand for news about the situation, or was it moving away to, to, to watch things on the streaming world? Well, as we are a public broadcaster, an old broadcaster, and, and still we have launched our streaming service already 14 years ago. So we've been, been around a while uh, compared to many others in streaming. Uh, of course, this last year and COVID and, and, and uh, Corona, as we call it, uh, has been increasing a lot of streaming. And, and our company's strategy is, of course, moving towards streaming more and more. But as, as we know, we have lots of people uh, consuming broadcasting in audio and, and, and in video. And so the TV channels are important, but of course the focus is, is more and more on, on streaming. So this is the, uh, the last year has, has, of course, rapidly been changing it faster and faster. Excellent. And Anna, how about you? What was it like for you? Well, it's uh, much of the same as Philip said, and as Philip and Lisloth said, we are struggling a bit with uh, how do we have content to to publish uh, throughout this year. And I think it's uh, I'm also very impressed about the production companies and the production departments within us that uh, have done a fantastic job. So so and all I mean our figures are exceptional high this year. Uh, the biggest change is that, uh, of course, the news have uh, done very well. And then sort of news have, uh, for us, the news have been uh, doing the job as the sports used to do. Uh, and that's uh, due to the pandemic uh, situation and also the, the US uh, election and, and all the things around that uh, lifted us. But I also think that in, in many genres we have seen um, 
uh, like drama and, and entertainment and so on. People people want to to have uh, something else to think about. And uh, overall, it's like uh, the consumption of streaming uh, grows very fast. We have had uh, a marvelous uh, growth uh, within our streaming service. And uh, but also there have been a, a short revival of the linear channels. Uh, due to this pandemic and, and all the people that have been at home and so on. So overall, it's it's been a terrible time for people, but a good time for the, for the broadcasters. And also, um, I want to bring in Ricky at this point, because is, has it been a good time for distributors as well? Because with the production uh, hiatus, uh, the global production lockdown, uh, does that mean that distributors like reInvent have had a, have, have been making sort of a, a lot of business here because the network still needs to buy content to fill the schedule what was it what was it like for you yeah, absolutely and, and as you say it i mean we have two hats on so we have the distribution hat and the production hat and you could say from a production perspective i totally agree with uh, what is set uh, and and from the distribution perspective i have to say we were pretty shocked because we are representing both feature films and tv series and obviously with cinema closing down and and all the production we had expected to go out and start pre-selling they just closed down um, so we were like, oh, my God, what's going to happen here? Uh, but I have to say that two key words, you know, are just uh, coming to my mind, and that's adaption and survival mode. And, and the Nordic producers, they have fought uh, extremely well. And if they had production going on internationally, whether it's uh, Hungary or Czech Republic, they moved it locally and they, they just continued the production. So that's amazing. And then we had a revival of our catalog titles. Uh, so there was a huge hunger for catalog titles for both feature films and uh, TV series. So that's on the very positive note that, you know, I think we pretty much got 50% more in, in estimates of what we had expected in 2020 on budget. Uh, oh, sorry, on estimates. Yeah. So there's uh, at least some, some positives for the industry to come out of this situation. Uh, and obviously last year wasn't just about COVID. It was also about the the massive swing to, towards streaming and the, the changing strategies of the Hollywood studios, which we'll, we'll come to uh, in this session. But I, I just wanted to tackle this, this sort of uh, the premise of this session, if you like, um, the, the idea that the Nordic population is, is full of early adopters of new technology. And I imagine because of last year, that's accelerated. So they're even earlier. And there's a sort of new demographics that hadn't embraced new technology doing so now because of uh, events of last year. What does that mean uh, for the for, for your for the panel's uh, strategies? Uh, um, if you have your, if your audience is such uh, an early uh, a, a number of early adopters, I'm going to start with the the, the public networks here. Um, Anna, tell us how 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 having an audience of early adopters, how, what challenges does that present you as a as a as a public broadcaster? Both channels challenges and uh, and, and possibilities. So it's. Uh, uh, what we see is that uh, it's very divided. Uh, uh, the, the people are, or the population are very divided. It's, uh, it's we, we say, over and under 50 years. So the tipping point now in, uh, in uh, reach when it comes to streaming is uh, 50 years, approximately. So it's uh, the people under 50, they are using, there are more users there uh, on the streaming service. So um, the challenge is that we have to sort of plan things together. We have to take out uh, the best of, 
of uh, each project uh, in our publishing plans. But I think it's uh, we're doing well, but we have to collaborate uh, very tight and we sit together, all the people that are making the, the scheduling and the, the, the plans for the, for the streaming service are, are working closely. Um, and I think that... Uh, when it comes to content, I think uh, I, I used to say that uh, OTT or the streaming services is the best that have happened to, to TV because TV was a bit boring, a bit uh, recreating itself for, for many years. And all the niche channels and so on, uh, it was a, a lot of volume, but it was uh, really not distinct enough. So I think it's uh, it has been a, a a good uh, it's it's a good time for for uh, developing new uh, storytelling and new formats that can uh, bring tv uh, further on uh, that's my opinion excellent villa w- when we spoke before this session uh, you you spoke about the challenge of trying to keep the younger audiences if if they're all off i don't know on TikTok or whatever the, the, the young people do these days. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, because uh, that, that's obviously a, a bit of a unique challenge for the public broadcasters, sorry, because they have to reach every demographic. Yeah, actually, the, our, our goal is to reach all. So it makes it hard for the media company to try to reach a younger audience who are not even conmuse, con- consuming any media. And, and of course, they are watching uh, series and, and, and movies and, and maybe sports. But, but in early adoption in Finland and I guess in other Nordic countries also, the phones are expensive, but, use, but using is really cheap. And it has been for many years. Yes, so so if you have a phone and almost everyone has a quite a good phone, you can call it a phone and, and consume everything like so much that you ever want. And that's not the situation in all around the world, of course. So what are the young youngest audience going to do with, with so easy mobile access? And, and that's why I mentioned TikTok and, and all the other platforms that are not, not the, the basic media stuff anymore. As we know, people are making media to each other, and 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 and, um, and the media consumption is, is 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 getting 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 lower. So I could say that. Uh... What we are thinking, there is a broadcasting side. It's going to be older people using broadcasting linear linear channels. And then there is this huge uh, streaming world. But then there is the third world, which is which is consuming something else. And the content is different and the usage is different. And, and that is going to be a big question for all the media companies. Excellent. And it already is a big question. Yeah. Philippa, what are your thoughts on this, uh, this subject? Because obviously you've made such a big pivot into streaming this is obviously, uh, uh, in a sense, going after that 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 early adopter audience. What are you, what are your thoughts on this? No, exactly. And I think it's sort of like with all change, uh, you can decide to fight against it or you can drive it. Uh, and we decided pretty early on that we actually wanted to drive it and we wanted to accelerate uh, the change. So we have been very much sort of streaming first for a long time, uh, which means we see it as very much of an opportunity. Uh, The Nordic market is really at the forefront when it comes to uh, streaming penetration, when it comes to stacking. And, you know, we come from a heritage of uh, Spotify and Skype, and this is, it's it's normal uh, for for our consumers, I think. So that's a great opportunity for us. We, you know, we've been working towards this for a long time. And that's also one of the corner pillars that 
we are bringing with us for our now international expansion. So, you know, we want to go beyond the Nordics and take what we've learned in this very sort of early, fast-moving market uh, to go broader into new markets. And I think if we leave a little bit the sort of technology side uh, and also look at content, uh, I also think that the Nordics is very, very advanced uh, when it comes to, to content creation. So it's a bit the same there. Uh, we are sort of we, we produce a lot of fantastic content uh, in this area. And that's, of course, also the other part of our uh, cornerstone when it comes to international expansion. Uh, we actually think, think that there is a much larger appetite for Nordic content uh, than what is being completely captured today. So for us, it's kind of it's it's two opportunities uh, that we have decided to make into uh, our you know next big move. And I think you know the last few years has been so much about the globals going local. Uh, and I don't know how many panels you've been listening to, and it's sort of what impact is that going to have, and how is that changing? For us, it's very much we are the local that are going global, uh, and that is of course what drives us. Uh, and I think what is exciting for the creators and 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 the producers that we work with that we want to take these fantastic Nordic stories and bring them to the rest of the world. So I I see it as a super super uh, great position to be in uh, to be part of this very fast moving advanced uh, part of the world uh, and bring it out to the rest. Excellent. Uh- Lieslot, let's hear from you on this. I was thinking that uh, we are now in the, looking to the future, but I will go 30 years back very fast. Because 30 years ago, when our fund was founded, it was uh, founded by the Nordic Council of Ministers, five film institutes and five public service broadcasters. And today, NENT is part of our fund. We have 22 uh, partners, 11 private, 11 public. And this is, I think, the great advantage of being a producer or a a company in the Nordics in our business, that the collaboration goes back very, very long, that we are so used to collaborating. And the public service broadcaster started in 59 to collaborate. So so when Philippa says that that you want to go from global going local to local going global, but we have also done that. It's just been so much talk now about the big streamers going local. But, but the Nordics were the first when the high-end drama really, really popped up. And, and many thank the big global stream, streamers because we are pushed to quality. We are really pushed uh, in a market which is so full to do high-end drama, to do quality and, do, uh, and, and also to nourish personal voices. And I think that's what we are doing. And when we start a collaboration very much at home, it's rather easy then to take the step outside the Nordics. So I, I just want to say that the new technology, yes, we are into it. And in, in, as the penetration is so strong for global streaming services, especially when we look at the young generation, will they look at Nordic content in the future? Uh, my son, 20-something, uh, look very much at Japanese content today. That's that's the thing, you know, the hot thing. And, and let's see what's happened next, what will happen with China, what will come from Asia. There are so many things happening. But I think the Nordics stay strong, but we need also to keep our, uh, young audiences. I'm not talking about teenagers necessarily, but 20-something who grew up with gaming, who grew up with uh, multiple uh, fantastic, complicated, visually uh, uh, cinema-like series. They, they are so good at reading series. Their demands are really high and they have the whole world at their knees begging for them to become viewers. So our next theme year in the fund will actually be young, the young ones. Excellent. We will look at this together with our partners, I hope. 
now uh, Japanese content, Chinese content. It reminds yeah. me of a, of a, a comment you made, uh, Ricky, uh, in a in a chat we had recently. You said because of the multiple SVOD subscriptions and the high penetration of SVOD in the Nordic markets, streaming and I quote is creating a content bloodbath. Maybe you can just talk us through what you meant by that <laughs> content bloodbath. <laughs> oh yeah, that sounds very dramatic. Well, first of all, I would say the fact that we we have uh, you could say um, financial powers here in the Nordics. We have a lot of uh, you could say subscriptions at home. We have I think it's four or five, and my kids they are just consuming a lot of TV series all the time. But I think you know the fact what we are seeing is the broadcasters are producing more TV series to see TV two now. It's from six to twelve a year. And we have net 40 uh, this year and so forth. This is a blessing for the producers. But of course, it means that we have a lot of production that needs to be financed. And there needs to be, you could say, collaboration between streamers and broadcasters to make the whole financing puzzle work. Um, the good thing is that there is a great appetite uh, out there for Nordic content. It seems like the consumers out there are used to the Nordic language. So it's it's not a problem. They they actually like it. They used to it from back in the DR drama days 20 years ago when we went, won the first Emmy Awards and the Dogma films and so forth. So what we see is really a growth on the, on the American market, especially where newcomers, new uh, streaming platforms like Topic, they have a huge uh, appetite for Nordic content. So I think, you know, uh, Bloodbath may sound very dramatic and negative, but, you know, from a production point of view, I think it's, it's a blessing. Excellent. And from a distribution point as well. I mean, obviously, from a distribution point, is it is it as simple as just saying it's a whole bunch of new clients to sell to? Uh, but I, it seems that the whole panel here, and we've got a nice diverse uh, selection of panel, you know, distributors, net public broadcasters, commercial broadcasters. Each of you has a different view of streaming. We heard earlier that uh, Philippa was saying, you know, taking uh, streaming is allowing her to to move into other markets, the Baltics, even America. I understand. Uh, uh, in in 2021, um, different, streaming means a different thing to the public broadcasters here, and and streaming obviously is a is a different opportunity for for reinvent. But um, I want to ask Philippa, does we you mentioned earlier about the 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 story of the last 12 months being the, the global streamers becoming local and the local streamers you're saying are now going global, such as Nent. What, how does that change the kind of partnerships that you can do? Because, you know, doing a co-production with, with Topic, like YLE is doing, you know, the, the rights requirements are pretty straightforward, you know. Whereas uh, a co-production with Nent, uh, you know, you're, you're expanding your rights requirements because you're thinking of going into America. You've launched in the Baltics. Tell us how how your global expansion plan is, yeah. is sort of impacting the kind of deals you can do. It is changing how we do deals quite a lot. Uh, and we're not thinking about going to market. We are going to market at the end of this year. Right. Uh, so that is for sure for sure happening. So, of course, you mentioned Topic Rick. They've had many of our originals in the past. They are not going to have our originals going forward. Uh, that is, of course, a, a big change. So, and we, we look at our originals a little bit uh, differently. So we do uh, the major the vast majority of them are Nordic originals. Uh, and there we want to secure our markets, uh, which means that we are already up front uh, securing you know, the markets that we have announced and, and some options uh, for further exploration that we didn't do five years ago. Uh, so that's a change. There's still a lot of markets that we are don't have any immediate plans uh, to go into. And those markets we don't we don't need to secure. Uh, but of course, that it's, um, it limits uh, the international collaborations uh, somewhat when it comes to Nordic productions. 
there are still exceptions to the rules, of course. Uh, and then, of course, we do a lot of international uh, originals as well. And for the international originals, it's slightly different. Uh, there we are more after securing uh, being able to be part of the real big productions uh, and securing them for the Nordics. Uh, so in those cases, we can you know, be part of, of something very big uh, and just secure Nordics or Nordics Baltics, as an example. We wouldn't ever ask for US uh, in, in any of those productions. So that is, it is a kind of different, but generally for the Nordics, yes, it's changing. For our international productions, it's not changing. Uh, the other collaboration opportunity that is, of course, opening up uh, is more collaborations with our Nordic partners. Uh, so sort of we want to take more Nordic stories out to the world. Uh, in, and that is opening up with um, collaborations with our uh, sort of Nordic friends here. Uh, you know, we have already done a collaboration with the SVT here in Sweden. Uh, we are doing the Kingdom together with DR in, in Denmark. So those kind of collaborations, I think uh, we will see more and more of, uh, at least from our side. That's interesting because collaboration seems to be a bit of a buzzword at the moment because everyone seems to be doing deals with frenemies, you know, people that are actually competitors, but you can co-produce with them or you can work with them in, in some ways. Uh, I mean, for instance, uh, uh, Villa, the co-production deals with uh, Topic. How does that work with, with YLE? What, what sort of, how does it, how does it work? What rights do you take? What, in, you know, what kind of editorial input does Topic has? How, how does those kind of collaborations work? Well, it's changing all the time, as, as we know, as the as the media world is, is changing, and uh, different deals come. As, as we know, the NEN is working in Finland with uh, with our local operator called Elisa, and, and and we have been collaborating with Elisa and, and, and stuff like that. I think it's a world and going to be a world that you have to find right friends, even right friends for the certain show or or things like that. So so we are friends with. Lots of uh, uh, with with the public Nordic broadcasters, and we are doing things together. But it's not going to be enough, as as we know, the budget are growing, and they have to grow if you want to compete with the Netflix and Disney and such like that. So we have to find new ways. And at the end of the day, it's all about your territory. Do you have the rights to your territory? Do you have something that others don't have? And in many cases, you can find uh, friends in, in in like frenemy in 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 enemies that you can share okay we take this and we window this like that and it can can be a really good good thing if if your own territory is is kind of secure so as a public broadcaster of course we are mostly concerned about finland and and, and that's our job but we are also trying to create something that will travel so it's all about negotiations and finding the right friend to write right program Anna, tell us about your co-production uh, experiences and, and your co-production strategy. If it's all about finding the right friends, but the friends keep shifting around and the, you know the, the, the landscape's changing, is it hard to, to identify the right friends? Of course, uh, I mean uh, it's, a, it's a, we have a big, a big challenge when it comes to financing uh, productions, but uh, um, until now we have been very strict with the holding on the local rights because um, if we go if we go into a production with seventy percent of the investment, for example, we think it's pretty easy to see that uh, you should uh, keep your local rights. Uh, so then uh, we want to have um, collaborations that uh, either uh, brings our investments. Uh, uh, very much down, or uh, or 
really uh, collaborators that can uh, sort of as the Nordic uh, companies we are we are collaborating very good now with the N12 and so on and uh, also look to to the European countries and then maybe maybe have packages to to deal for other continents I don't know but our our aim is uh, the local Norwegian market that is uh, what we are public service for so so and then we try to find but it's I mean it's uh, it's it comes questions every day which is uh, different uh, I mean I've had questions now when uh, could we sell some uh, non-exclusive rights on the series to uh, an American streaming service that will test if it will work in the Nordic countries okay I could give you the numbers if you want to I know how it works in the Nordic countries so it's like it's very hard to to really find the base of those models but we have to, to try to, to develop uh, together and find uh, friends and, and, and almost friends uh, uh, let's call it uh, uh, yeah, friendliness is a good word yeah. a lot what, how, what are the implications of all of this sort of uh, for uh, for you in terms of sewing together all these sort of co-productions and alliances and collaborations, you could end up with a kind of Frankenstein's monster of a show, right? Yeah, uh, but I just wanted to mention because uh, what Filippa said also about the Nordic streaming services first, I wanted to say, I think it's re- really, really wonderful to notice that during the COVID year in our other research, that when we saw how are the global, because we are talking about the big penetration in the Nordics of global streaming services, and actually during last year, if it hadn't been for Disney, it wouldn't have been such a growth. It it would have been like a normal curve, but the Nordic online watching and streaming services grew as much. So I think that, that the position actually is very good for the Nordics now, thanks to a lot of collaboration. But as you say, what will be, I was thinking very much about what will be the product because uh, we mentioned we should mention the kingdom, but we also have the fourth season of the of Borean coming up, and we all remember the legendary story when everybody in the air said this will not travel. I was uh, reading the scripts, and Ingolf Gabel took them to me and said, "Oh, dear friends at Wiley, but uh, we know that this is so specifically Danish that, that it won't even work in Sweden and Finland and over." But but our dear friends in the North Vision, would you co-produce this? And everybody loved the script, and everybody co-produced it in the Nordics. So this is the legendary story. Now it's really interesting to see. When it's a co-production uh, between Netflix and and DER, uh, how will the commissioning? How, how is the uh, you know the development process? This is something that I think is really interesting because when you have shared commissioning in, and then you have you have the, the author in the middle, and what will happen there? Uh, so far, we have seen very successful, and and we have really mixed. We have so many suggestions with mixed private public co-productions and collaboration, uh, and and I am not afraid of these models. So I, I am not thinking they will be a horrible monster because I think people are very smart in knowing that the product has to be good, and everybody knows today that you have to to honor the vision of the writer and so on, the main writer. So so I I, I would not you know say that that I see great dangers in collaboration. Our job is to make the collaboration expand actually but I also agree with Arne it's really important to keep IP in the Nordics you know not to give everything away you know to the big global market so so that's where we really have to see that 
Now, now we have so much volume in TV series suggestions coming into us that we have had to actually re- reverbalize what we mean with quality. You have to add something to the concept of quality. And originality is one thing that we look at, and diversity. And I think that with this great expansion of volume of TV series, we all we all should be very careful with seeing that it adds to diversity, it adds to quality. You know, it really makes the series better that we produce in the Nordics, that we keep very like strict quality measures, not producing quantity. So, so, so far, so good. We have have too many good series every day we think oh what a pity we can't support them all because we are a top finance has the kind of content that is being made in the, in the nordic territories now changing because of uh streaming and is it becoming you know skewed to, towards younger demographics is it becoming more diverse I'd, li- I'd like to hear about that maybe philippa you can you can talk to that since you've commissioned so many shows yeah and i think it's uh, i was gonna say it probably uh, depends on who you ask uh, but for us that are producing you know so much and also we want really to be as broad as possible viaplay should be a, a household service so we need to cater for everyone uh, which means, yes, we definitely we need to diversify. And that's what we're working on all the time. Uh, and I guess for us, sort of, you know, there has before been a lot of talk about gender. There, I think we are, again, very, very, you know, well advanced in the Nordics in general. Uh, for us, in, in, in particular, most of our, I would say, yeah, most of our recent successes are more or less completely created by by women. So that's that one. I think we are already far on. But we have so many other uh, parts of the diversity. Of course, different age groups, different uh, social backgrounds, etc. And that is something that you know my team is working on all the time. Uh, and if there's you know one wish, when I get the question, sort of, what are you looking for? Uh, what pitches are, are you looking for? My answer is always sort of, I really want to get the pitches that I don't get uh, because I think it's such a big part of the market that we don't even see. Uh, and for us, because we also want to grow from three to six million subscribers in the Nordics, that means that we need to tap into new markets, new audiences, uh, new segments that we are not uh, catering for today. Uh, and that is kind of one of the main um challenges we have actually uh, to really make sure that we don't you know go into the normal this is working uh, stream and, and continue with that that we need to do but we also need to add uh, these sort of new uh, segments of, of the market and that is super super exciting uh, but it is a little bit uh, easier said than done definitely uh, Villa, what are your thoughts on that you know reaching out to new uh, new demographics and diversifying and I know that uh, coming out of a lot of the Nordic countries is a lot of young adult programming. Uh, how's that working for you? What are your What are your thoughts on that? Well, the nicest things uh, have been for recent years has been a kind of a growth of the documentary series that are based on a real life. They are d- documented reality. They are not reality shows like someone's going to some island and having fun and, and wondering if, if I could be with that. And, and as you know, Temptation Island, such things. We have been moving a lot towards the documentary, but they are serious. And for the younger audience, the episodes must be shorter. We are making serious like it's uh, six episodes, 15 minutes per episode or 20 minutes. And, and it's more closely to the, to the real documentary. And I'm glad to say that it's a good point for a public broadcaster because the uh, uh, things that we've been telling about are like uh, now the the reason explanation is a uh, uh, is a three 
people just driving around their cars. They can't pay their bills. They can't participate in the in the community. They are just driving around, and that's a serious that we are. We are we have the same kind of casting as it's made in the Temptation Island, but this is a different story. And it has worked really well for our audience. And as a public broadcaster, I must say, I'm really glad that this works also, that you don't have to do to Big Brother and stuff like that. We have a huge uh, talking now with, uh, as, uh, as I mentioned in other countries too, what's happening in the in the reality series. And, and so this has been a one, 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 uh, one good point that has been working really well for us and, and for the young adults. Okay, excellent. Uh, uh, Ricky, I just want to bring you in just to... To get a little bit of feedback on, on you know, it seems like uh, there's some new kinds of content coming out of the Nordic markets for young adults, very diverse. And uh, I want to hear about the demand for that kind of programming. Obviously, Nordic Noir has established itself, but is there a demand outside the rest, uh, outside of the Nordic territories for this new kind of content that's coming out of uh, 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 coming out of the Nordic market. Absolutely. I mean, we can see a growth in interest in uh, young adult and shorter formats. Um, so, I mean, we have a lot of demands from broadcasters with players that are asking for specifically that and are eager to start testing different kind of, uh, of, of, of new formats um, and especially for the youth in all ages, I would say. So, um, so that's growing. And of course, you know, from a financial perspective, it's not that they pay so much, but uh, I think that will be a growing market in the future, no doubt. And then Nordic Noir, as usual, and Nordic uh, Light as well. We've kind of established that there, there's a, a, a massive grain of truth in the idea that uh, the, the Nordic markets are ahead of the curve and early adopters. Obviously, there's upsides to that, as we've discussed, and downsides too. Uh, another downside is you get the arrival of uh, the Hollywood-backed streamers that have parked their lawn, their tanks on your lawn uh, over the last year um, because of the fact that you, there's such high penetration. Uh, we haven't got time to discuss all of the ramifications of that, but it sounds like uh, the, uh, the 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 arrival of all these Hollywood back studios uh, is is because perhaps the uh, the demand for American programming is changing. Um, but what I will finish up on is just some predictions for the future because uh, we've got a, our time is running out. So I'm just going to go around the panel and just ask the panel's predictions for the Nordic and global market for the rest of 2021 and beyond. And I'm going to start with Lieselot, if that's okay. Okay, because I was just thinking about that. I was really happy and, and rosy about everything that is happening. And then you start thinking, but. So, so one thing that has happened, of course, is that a lot of Nordic talent now work directly. They work directly for, for big streamers. And there has been a lot of discussion of how to nourish and find new talent. And, and so many educational projects on drama series are now happening in the Nordics. We are involved or, or creating one called, called Nordic Script, a pan-Nordic thing. Uh, and, and this is something I noticed also that we get a lot of rather interesting uh, uh, narrow suggestions where you have a really distinctive voice, but you don't have a big company behind you. You can have like very, very minor distribution in a couple of countries. And where you see that, oh, my God, if this idea would have landed, you know, would have be, been developed with time and, and, and with the, one of the, the bigger companies, what would have happened? So we are also thinking that, that there is a lot of like self-activity among young people. And we have had films in Finland, like I think it was two years ago, there was a, a self-financed film that won all the local Oscars almost two years you remember it, really. Like it was the, the actors and the directors just started making it. And I think they took seven out of, of 10 awards or something. And it was a feature film, a cinema film. 
and, and which you then in the end we bought, joy, yes. bought. You bought, yes, which was great. We had to bought it because yeah, because they didn't sell it earlier. They wanted to do it. They wanted to keep the voice. And I was thinking about how can we like uh, keep the voice and give it a really really high quality treatment uh, because we need these new voices yeah. all the time. So this is something that I feel that the Nordics we can work work together in this, and we so we do. This is a pan Nordic issue Ooh. and diversity, of course, representation very important as part of it. Philippa, what are your predictions for the rest of this year and beyond? No, I just, can I just attack on one thing that Lisa Lot said, because I completely agree on this kind of new voices. And that's, of course, also something that we're always looking at. And we are now actually in, you know, a couple of weeks time launching here in Sweden, a, a new series called uh, Thunder in My Heart. Uh, that is uh, completely created by a very young, talented uh, previous actress, but now she's written the whole script and she's playing the main role. I think that when you manage to find something like that, uh, that is just so cool. And, you know, I always say like that pitch uh, that she came to us and, and pitched, that just completely blew us all away because that was not just a project. That was her life. That was a passion. And I think that passion is so cool to see. And it, you can almost only see it, you know, by the habitant that she had everything. She'd written all of the script. She had the music. She had everything set. Uh, and we just said, OK, fine, go. Uh, and it's it's going to be launched now at the end of May. And it looks absolutely amazing. So that to Lot, we please, send, uh, I would say uh, we'd be very happy. Uh, to get the new yeah. voice uh, and give them uh, the opportunity. But that was not the question, sorry. The question was what I think for 2021 uh, onwards. Uh, I think for sure streaming is going to continue to boost. Um, we will all recover. We all have more full slates now. Uh, I think uh, a lot of fantastic content uh, is uh, is uh, being launched this year uh, compared to last year when we all had a little bit of a bump, I think it's fair to say. Uh, so that's sort of, that we'll see. Uh, from us, it will be a lot even more focused on the Nordics. Um, and I think you will, will also see a lot more collaborations uh, and different type of collaborations, kind of, you know, like, as, as I think Villa said, like friends in one show or friends in another. I think that type of uh, uh, creativity will just increase. Excellent. Anna, what are your predictions for the rest of the year and beyond? First, I would say that uh, uh, when we're talking about diversity, I think if it should be if it should be relevant for the for the younger uh, audience and, and also uh, older, of course, uh, you should tell stories uh, with the diversity as a it's a, it's diversity. Uh, we don't really have to put it in. It's it's in the story. And I think you have to have people in front of camera and back camera, uh, behind the camera to, to, to secure that. So it should be in the DNA of the industry, I think. Uh, when it comes to predictions, I think um, there will be, a, or hopefully there will be a more normal uh, year, year and years ahead. Uh, people would uh, then probably use uh, more time on concerts and theater and travels and so on. That's good. So it it could be a, a, a small decrease in, in some usage, but the, the transition towards uh, OTT, uh, it will, uh, it will uh, hold, um, hold uh, a good pace, I think. Um, and uh, for us, it's, uh, it's crucial that we can sort of take our, our mission over to the, to, to the streaming service so we can have gold, uh, can come in with all genres and succeed, and, and also uh, the live, the new 
use uh, so it will be a sort of uh, living streaming service that what we aim to and I think we have uh, seen some uh, times that we are going in a good direction there and it's a good place to compete for us because uh, we compete with people that have more narrow uh, narrow content uh, Right. So, so, um, but I think uh, I hopefully think that we also do uh, something else than uh, watching TV and streaming service uh, the coming years. Avila, what are your predictions for the rest of the year and beyond? First, I must say that it's going to be AOD, so it's going to be audio on demand, the big thing. But everyone is not in that business here. So, content-wise, I would say, like Philip and and Elizabeth said that. I believe we're going to be surprised what really works, and 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 things that work must be somehow wrong, strong and real. And, and I think these are the times that you need something real. We know that everything can be written like it's real, but but people are wise; they they, they can sense if something is really strong and real. In the media wise, I think that it's going to be uh, you're going to be doing good if you have something exclusive. Something that others don't have, because it's going to be packed market. And as we see what's happening in U.S., you don't have anyone or anything exclusive that someone will come to your service every week. It's going to be like, uh, what do you have this week? And in in that sense, we are the same, public broadcasters and commercial players, because commercials need the money every month, and we need the reliability. People are thinking that they're doing a good job; they are not off the roof, and they are still working. But it's going to be in in the in the in the rough uh, streaming market, it's going to be one you're going to have every week for certain audience. And it's a different, it's a total different game than playing the broadcasting game. And we must really learn rapidly as old broadcasters how the, how the world works. Great. Last word to you, Rika. What are your predictions for the rest of the year and beyond? Well, most has been said already, but uh, I can just say that I think that we will, thanks to streamers as well, see a lot of unique and unseen shows. We will be very surprised, uh, which I think is refreshing in many ways, and that would also be refreshing for distribution. Uh, I think that the collab- collaboration uh, part is absolutely uh, important in order to get the shows financed. Um, And then I think we would see more non-exclusivity, perhaps not the first or second year, but down the line, uh, because uh, I I, I foresee that's how the future goes. But uh, let's see what happens. Philippa Wallerstam, Anna Helsinger, Villa Villain, Ricker Ennis and Lizalot Forsman speaking to Ed Waller as part of C21's Content Nordics On Demand, which got underway last week and continues online right now. Video versions of all the sessions are available on c21media.net if you're a pro subscriber, and there'll be more from the event in the podcast tomorrow. But in the meantime, stay safe and up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening.